You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. You're listening to The Self-Advocate with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein or on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Mira. Join the conversation. Talk back to me. On this episode, I'm going to talk about back to school because, of course, it's that time of year again for back to school and we're living in the middle of a pandemic the second year school year of a pandemic but first let's put on our theme song possibilities by key sarah
just heard is Possibilities by E. Sarah. E. Sarah is a mother-daughter duo from Ontario. The daughter who is singing is on the autism spectrum. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Pro-Up Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. This episode is a back-to-school episode because school is right around the corner. I now enjoy school, being in my master's degree at Athabasca. And my first guest is Chantel, who is the secretary for the BC Ed Access. She's a cool person. You don't want to miss her. You don't want to miss what she's going to talk about. She's also a friend. She does so many different things. She also did radio, a person with many talents. And of course, BC Ed Access is a parent-led advocacy group in BC for kids with disabilities in school. Thank you so much, Chantel, for being on my show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That was a very lovely intro. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) We've known each other for two years. Can you believe it? Yeah. Oh, uh, three, I think. I think it's been three since we've been to Toronto, haven't haven't we? I don't know. Has it been? Three years. Yeah. It feels like more. Yeah, it does. It really does. Oh, my goodness. Why BC Ed Access? Why is this so important? Um, well, BC Ed Access, um, what we do is we help support, educate, um, and empower families of children with disabilities and complex learning needs to equitably access an education um, in BC. Um, and that obviously can look different for different families and different needs um, with different children. So we're here to help um, all families kind of get what they need for their children so that they can access uh, a a good education um, as is their right. Um, So we we started that way. We started over um, seven, eight years ago now. And um, this, uh, you know, the, these past few years have been um, even more stressful on our families um, than before. And so we've been doing some surveys uh, within our group. Our, we have a Facebook group. that It's a very private Facebook group, um, a support group. And we have over, uh, we have almost a 4,000 members now um, of families in B.C., yeah, yeah, and it's and it's been a really great. Um, it actually BC Access started with this page uh, as a support group to kind of like uh, a peer to peer support. You know, like uh, somebody who's been there before. They've been in the trenches before. Um, they can help other parents um, find a path. You know, out of out of the pit. You know, out of the trenches um, when we when we're trying to support our children and get them what they need. Yeah. Yeah, so this this whole new school year again is is again uh, a cycle of of stress for our families and you know before it was about uh, you know are my kids going to get support and stuff like that and now we have the added layer of of uncertainty um, safety uh, is a big concern um, we actually did uh, a survey in August and we had 99 parents um, not everybody could could participate in our survey obviously um, we did it really fast and um, 
We had 99 parents who were concerned about the health risk to their children and youth um, and family members uh, because it might not be that just the child itself or themselves who have uh, an immunocompromised system. Um, it could be a family member. So a lot of families have kept their kids home. Um, they've brought them out of uh, distributed learning or brought them into distributed learning so they could learn from home sort of thing. Um, we have families where the kids haven't seen other kids for you know a year and a half sort of thing, right? Um, so we wanted- What affects, affects their social and emotional health? Absolutely. Yeah, that was that is one of the big concerns here. Um, you know, 68% of participants felt that mental health support is lacking or non-existent. 68%. Um, so that means to me that uh, there's a disconnect um, in what we're we're giving out to you know just the regular families and what our families are needing. Um, obviously with a disability and stuff like that, mental health supports look different, right? They're, they're going to be different. Uh, you have to support your disability first and then help the mental health. Uh, usually they go hand in hand, right? You, you support the person, their mental health gets better. Um, and that's kind of the, dis there's a disconnect there. So it's, it's frustrating. I think for a lot of families, um, they're not, feeling like they're being heard um, from the schools and being taken seriously. And with the announcement this morning, um, there was no discussion at all whatsoever about children with disabilities um, in our school system and what what it, what will it will look like for them. We were getting used to having a very flexible uh, uh, education system. And it was actually kind of some of these Districts were doing some really cool, great things, um, and our parents were like, "Wow, that's really cool. It's really worked for us." You know, my my child's finally learning after like five years of like maybe going into class for one hour a day, sort of thing. Um, and yes, that actually does happen. We have a lot of families whose children are excluded from school, um, and that was before COVID. And now with COVID, it's it's gotten even worse. So they pulled them. They went to distributed learning. And now they're learning. Why are kids being excluded from school when they have a disability? Why are they not being included in the classroom? And why are they only being there for one hour a day? Exactly. There's there's a multitude of, of uh, I guess you could say, reasons. Um, you know, we have our exclusion tracker. Uh, I also actually let everybody know that's listening to go to our website, bcadaccess.com. Exclusion Tracker, we'll have all that info at the end of the show as well. Um, and you go to the Exclusion Tracker, we just put out a report uh, recently in regards to this past year. And um, it was it was not good. Um, we still have exclusions. People, people are still being excluded. Let's see, I'm going to tell you a few reasons um, why a lot of times uh, there was no incident. Um, we're, we're starting to see, like, we're seeing that um, school administrations are not equipped to understand um, or to support children with disabilities. So they're not, uh, a lot are not trained. Um, and we have uh, gaps in that learning and that knowledge. So, you know, like you could have uh, a few teachers who really get it and are working really great and they have the supports they need, they have the EAs and everything. And then there's others that uh, don't have that. So there's very big gaps in the system right now um, where it's leading to children falling into these incidents or no incidents actually, um, 
and then being excluded because they just don't know how to handle the situation. The, the school does not know how to handle the situation and the, the learning has to happen. The learning has to be, uh, to be there. Like, you know, why is this child doing what they're doing and stuff like that? And having, um, professionals come in and do that is really helpful. But you know, with COVID it's gotten even worse because you can't have those professionals come in and do the training and, and do the ob observations and things like that, uh, to help, um, the classroom setting, to help the teacher, to help the EAs and stuff like that, and to help the child be included in the classroom. So, you know, we have um, aggression towards others. Um, we have, which was actually a very low percentage, which I was actually kind of surprised. Um, and then there was a disruption, disruptive in class um, and property uh, destruction. Uh, but the vast majority, there was no incident. So it's, it's kind of frustrating for a lot of families because they have to quit their jobs um, to keep their child at home. That's unbelievable. And unbelievable because, you know, a lot of this, not everybody can afford for one parent or both parents to be at home with the kid. They have to work. And of course, a lot of the support costs money. It's a lot of money for for that. So how are they? Well, there... There's money, there, there's the funding, there is funding uh, issues involved in that. And that, you know, is depends on how the district wants to allocate the funding, but it's also a mindset, right? We have, we have uh, teachers coming out, you know, God bless them. They, they're fantastic people. Um, they're not getting a good, from what I'm seeing, from what I'm hearing is that there's no foundational basis to help them uh, teach to all learners. So when they come out of university, uh, they're kind of coming in blind and they don't know what these disabilities are. They don't know that, you know, what, what is autism? What is ADHD? Like there, I think it's like a half day course um, and it's a very quick, you know, thing. Um, and so they don't know, they don't know what they don't know. And they come into it and they're like, Oh my goodness. I, I mean, I, I had a teacher back in my son in grade two, I think it was. Uh, and she said to me at the end of the year, we collaborated. It was such a great collaboration and it was, it ended up being a successful year for everybody. Um, even though we had a lot of bumps along the way, she's like, I'm going back for my master's in special education. Cause I know that I'm going to continue to have these children in my classroom, these diverse children, I want to be able to teach to them and have them included in my classroom. And I was just like, that's amazing because you have to pay out of pocket for that extra education. I'm like, oh my goodness, they're making teachers do all this extra work and they're making them pay out of pocket after they've done all this, you know, the schooling. I'm like, I don't know. I don't understand that. Um, so it's a, you know, and then, then you have that, if you have better understanding of what's happening, there's a better way to collaborate with the EAs and stuff like that too. So it's, it's, I think there's many different uh, reasons and different solutions, but they all kind of come, can come together and make a really beautiful um, situation. We've had some just amazing people uh, come in and uh, they're not, there's no more funding. It's, it's just really their, their ability, their knowledge that they've come, brought to the table um, that has created a really great inclusive space. Um, that doesn't happen with everybody and that's fine, but it's just, it's, it's really beautiful to see. And then you see the kids flourish. It's, 
really amazing. So, yeah. It is amazing. And it's amazing that, you know, having the attitude and the supports there that are in there, then the kids flourish and they tend to do better longer term and not from what I've been reading in my own in my own stuff is that they're also taxing on society because they're these kids are more educated, they're more productive members of society, they don't have to go on on disability or welfare, so many so many consequences along the way, positive consequences. Yeah. You bring up such a great point. And this is something I've I've really like started to come uh, to the realization that, you know, we're looking at we're looking at our social problems today and the huge opioid crisis. We're looking at homelessness um, just skyrocketing. Um, and, and we can sort of, you know, talk about the real estate, you know, world and stuff like that. But we can all we also need to be talking about where do those people come from? What was their childhood like? Um you know, what happened that they've gotten to this point? Because everybody has a story. Everybody has a background. Everybody has a reason for being there. People don't just like do that just because you know, nobody chooses that, right? So you look at, um, in the US, there's stats um, regarding dyslexia in the prisons, um, ADHD. The vast majority have ADHD or they have um, dyslexia. And neither of those, does, those um, uh, disorders come with any kind of real support in the school system here. So, so to me that it's a, it's a school to prison pipeline. And I mean, it happens, um, for our BIPOC, uh, folk as well. Um, and, and it's just this, this linear kind of, uh, progression into, you know, a really, uh, negative life. Um, so I think we really need to target our children now, um, we really need to be making sure we we support them in school um, and at home. That it just it really needs to be targeted because I look at it and I look at our our mental health and addictions and I see exactly the the the, the line. You know what I mean? Like you look at you look at some of these kids and you see the line, the direct line from what happened in school to where they're at right now. And it just it it hurts my heart and my soul to know that there are so many that are falling through the cracks. And uh, I want to save them all. <laughs> like, I, I, I want them to have a beautiful, successful life, however that looks for them. Um, but yeah, nobody chooses homelessness and stuff. So, you know, I just think too, like, okay, so if I couldn't read. So dyslexia, you know, we have, we don't have very good supports in the school system. Let's be honest, it's not great. Um, we have kids that are graduating who can't read properly. And so then you go out to the real world and how are you going to get a job? How are you going to get a home? How are you going to, how are you going to take care of yourself? Right? Like it's, you know, uh, there's nothing. So, you know, there was a study actually done just a while ago uh, here in Canada and they talked about, um, it was about people's confidence in their abilities to read well. And I, it was something like the majority, like something like 55 to 60% of people did not feel uh, comfortable reading at a higher level. And I'm like, I, I'm curious about that because I'm like, I wonder if they went, they dug down even further and looked at how many had learning disabilities included in that, right? Like I, I, I would love to see us do some really good studies on these kinds of things. And I think it would be, it would be an eye opener. 
for this country. It would be an eye-opener because not only that, it could be also undiagnosed or underrepresented learning disabilities right there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right in that little part. That's right. Exactly. Yep. With that, don't go anywhere because there will be more information with Chantel, who is the secretary for BC Ed Access on the self-advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alvin Klein. Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM, an idea worth stealing. Vancouver's original community radio station since 1975. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Alvin Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Miras Klein and on Instagram and Twitter at Allison Miras. Instead of just following me on these social medias, join the conversation, talk to me, tell me what you thought of this and how school is affecting you or has affected you. Because on this episode, I'm talking all about school with Chantel who is the secretary of BC Ed Access. She wears many hats. So, Chantel, how did you get involved with BC Ed Access? And why is this so important for you, considering this upcoming school year with another year of COVID? Mm. That's a good question. Um, I do want to go back real quick to what I was talking about, the study. I actually just Googled it while we were on break. And nearly half of adult Canadians struggle with literacy, and that's bad for the economy. And that is from the CBC Radio. Um, So if people want to look that up, uh, just look up nearly half of adult Canadians struggle with literacy. Um, And that was posted January 17th, 2021. I got involved because I have two children Um, At the time, I only had one um, who had a disability and neurodiverse uh, child. And we were really struggling um, to get supports in school. I felt so alone. I was so shocked when I got into kindergarten. And I thought I was all prepared. And I told the teacher, like, this is what we're doing. These are the challenges, you know, and stuff. And it just, there was nothing. There's literally nothing. They're like, there's nothing we can do. Um, So your child has to either conform Um, and then in other words, in, in not so many words, he'll be kicked out, which I realize now that that's not, you know, you're not allowed to kick a kid out of school for the disability, but, um, basically that's what, what it was, was conform or leave. And it was really hard. Uh, we decided uh, the next year to bring him to his catchment school, which was actually a really great idea. Um, it was an inner city school in Surrey and it was so fantastic, the, the people that were there, the principal, um, the support workers, everybody was so amazing. Um, they had a basis in special education, so it was very targeted. I think, I, I don't know, but I think that principal got like the most EAs I've ever seen in a school. I think we had like 15 EAs for like 300 kids or something like that, which is like really unheard of. Um, I think in a lot of schools that I know of anyway. Um, it was a really fantastic experience for my son. Um, even though, you know, we had situations where, you know, it was, it, we had to, he had to clear the room, you know, stuff like that, where, uh, he was very dysregulated. 
it was in such a way like they 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 really cocooned everybody they cocooned the kids that were in the class with him they cocooned him they they really like honored who this person was and so he had a really good time even with the kids you know how you know if you've had a very dysregulated moment and other people see that usually there uh, not usually there's there's there can be some tension and some frustration and usually the kids sort of like oh my gosh don't go around this kid sort of thing right but it wasn't like that there um it was really very inclusive um they had a really like everybody kind of understood what's going on and you know i mean he wasn't the only kid either so uh we never got called. I never got called to come pick him up and bring him home. There's, I think, only one time, and he was being bullied that day. Um, he had, we had found out um, a few days later that he was, he had actually been bullied for a few days, and um, the, you know, the the school was like, just, you know what, just come pick him up, you know, like, like let's just give him a break for the rest of the days or anything. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna bring him for for an ice cream cone. <laughs> like, that's great. You know, and so uh, this teacher strike happened and um, I saw this Facebook page pop up. Um, Tracy and a few others had started this Facebook page. I'm like, oh, what's this about? And I found my people and it was fantastic. And I've been with them ever since and I love it. It's a passion. I now have another child who has um, learning disabilities and stuff like that as well. And uh I, it's a lifelong one for me. And then I just found out that this summer that I have ADHD. So <laughs> it's been, it's been really great. <laughs> so much. And it happens a lot with kids who, who are diagnosed with learning disabilities or neurodivergent. Then the mom or one of the parents also is diagnosed with um, learning disability or neurodivergence as well. So there's a lot of strength between the two. Yes, absolutely. Um, our pediatrician here is starting an ADHD clinic and, um, for kids. And I said, Hey, you know, why don't you have uh, like a GP or somebody uh, come in and do adult testing? Because there are so many, I'm actually, uh, one of the admins for an ADHD peer support group on a parent support group on Facebook for BC. And, uh, we have 4,000 families as well. And that we see that every day every day they're like you know like that sounds like me <laughs> like where so we're getting like questions almost every day asking where can i go as an adult to go get um tested and stuff like that and i think about my childhood i think about you know university and college and just like where i fell off the grid because uh i i didn't know i had ADHD. i just thought i was being lazy or being so distracted and um you know unable to focus and i was like uh duh that was adhd <laughs> so i i look back now and i just like oh wow so many kids so many kids fell through the cracks so many that would have happened to me if my parents didn't kind of look and went what's that and why is she doing that no why what happened what is happening here and then I got tested as well and my parents also had to fight for my own education and this was in the 90s so not a lot has changed over 30 years no they 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 changed um the funding as well like you know, there was a lot of segregation back in the 80s and 90s, um, and then they decided to go to the inclusive model, but I feel like they missed a step with the inclusion model. Um, they, they missed the step of training everybody that works with children with disabilities, like 
I think all the school admin, everybody that works with children, period, should have at least a good surface knowledge of disabilities. Um, I think it would go a long way to helping inclusion. I think so as well. Have you seen any, now that we've talked about a lot of the hardships, because parents might, or family members might be, have, might have chronic illness, and so the kid has to stay home, or the kid has a chronic illness, or is immune compromised, so they also have to stay home, which is difficult for their education and their emotional and psychological growth. Has there any any positives in being able to stay home and learn over Zoom or learn over the internet? Oh yeah, you know there there's some good takeaways from from this pandemic. Um, and that the, the biggest takeaway was a flexibil- flexibility in learning. So a lot of districts came up with um, sort of almost like a small distributed learning program, um, or the teacher would bring up like a, a small program where they would teach the kids in the class and they would teach the kids at home as well at the same time. So some of the kids would be on Zoom and they'd see the other kids in the classroom um, and they'd all be learning together sort of thing, right? And then there are some kids who can't do online learning um, and things like that. So that was more, that was harder, but uh, we've seen some really great successes and I think we could build on those. Um, we've had situations where kids, you know, before back in the day, if you miss like two weeks of school or whatever, you know, the school kind of worries or, you know, asking questions and stuff like that. Nowadays you take two weeks off because you're sick or whatever. That's it. They're like, okay, that's fine. Um, here's some work to do sort of thing. And, um, you know, stuff like that. Right. So there's a lot of flexibility that's been happening, um, and a lot of growth in that way. And, uh, it's been very, very, uh, nice to see. Unfortunately, some of those things are being taken back, right? They're being rolled back and stuff like that because, you know, they they talk about budgets and things like that, and um, they don't see that as a priority in their budget. But I think it, the way that you deliver your education is your highest, highest priority. And I know people, I'm going to get some flack for this, but like, Sports is lower than that to me, you know, like if you don't have a good proper system that's teaching to all kids, sports is secondary, you know, like even arts, you know, God bless the arts, the arts are amazing, uh, music programs, things like that. Those are all extras though, right? Like when you don't even have a child getting a basic education, um, you know, what, what's most important here? getting a basic education or having some other kids, you know, be in a music program. So there's that, but there's also, you know, of course the, the, uh, the ministry of education is starting to give more money, um, especially towards mental health. Mental health has been really big, um, in the news, um, and they're talking about it a lot and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm really, uh, excited to see, uh, what comes out of this because there is, there is definitely an acknowledgement that there is, uh, some, deep issues that we need to work on. And so I'm very excited about that as well. So it's the flexibility and the talk of mental health and stuff like that, that to me, get me excited. And I see some really positive things that have been happening with some families that I'm like, yes, if we can keep continue to do these things, 
you know, we can get to a really great place. One last question. And, and we should keep on doing this. We should keep on that flex time and tailoring the education and to the, the kid and their needs. That's a big thing. And, and being able to see, put more money and see how these kids learn for their basic needs. One last question. So what is your advice to other parents who have kids with disabilities who are struggling through this time and putting their kids back into school or weighing their options to for their kids education yeah that's a that's a very good question um my biggest piece of advice is to do what's best for your family and I know some are very frustrated because they have to stay home again for another year because they don't feel that the safety measures put in place are good enough for them to feel comfortable sending their kids back. Um, I do suggest to reach out, come out to BC at Access. Um, it's B-C-E-D-A-C-C-E-S-S dot com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, a, a public one and a private one. So you can go on the public one and message um, us and ask to be um, added to the private um, page. Uh, Inclusion BC is also a really good organization. Um, they can help you advocate for what you need. Family Support Institute is also extremely amazing. Um, they can connect you with resources. They have a really great resource page as well um, that's out there and you can get peer-to-peer -peer support um, with these folks. Um, and we have actually an advocacy conference coming up that I need to plug. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, uh, there's some really great info there as well. And um, I think it's, uh, the best advice I can give is to weigh your options. It, it's so hard because there's no perfect answer. There's no, I, I can't give the perfect answer or, or the perfect advice, but uh, do what's best for what you need to do for your family. And if that means that the school has to, you know, or you need some more supports or need the school to adjust or whatever, and you need help with that kind of advocacy that these, we're the people to reach out to um, and get it information on how to do that. Um, you're not alone. That's another thing I want to tell parents is you're not alone. Um, I'm telling that to the kids out there as well. You're not alone. There we are thousands of us out there and that's uh, just connecting us all together and um, yeah, learning from each other. Learning from each other. That is the most important is to be able to connect to one another and and learn from one another. How can parents and kids with disabilities find BC Ed Access? Great. Yeah. So uh, it's bceded.acces.com. Um, you can find us there. Our conference is hashtag capital A, small letters, D-V-O, capital C-O-N, 2021 all one word and um our conference is wednesday september 22nd to sunday september 26th and we right now have early bird tickets uh which is an amazing amazing price uh we have folks like uh, Brittany matthews uh with the first nation caring societies uh she'll be talking about jordan's principle putting children first we have ieps what you need to know with suzanne perot we have Human Rights in Your Child with lawyer Lindsay Waddell. 
Um, we have we have all sorts of uh, speakers, uh, how to file a human rights um, complaint, how to do a Section 11. Um, we have a classroom perspective on assessments um, with actually a teacher, which is really great. Um, we have mapping the transition from high school to post-secondary, uh, letter writing and other we have a lot of stuff this year and I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, just so many cool things, disability and race, intersectionality, inclusion and impact. Um, super excited about this year. I mean, I'm excited every year, obviously, but <laughs> this one I'm really excited about. And it's fun every year. It is. It really is. It's all online this year. Again, uh, last year uh, was as well. And so uh, it's been really great because it, it's really made it more accessible. You know, we had we had our conferences, as you know, in Surrey, um, because it was kind of like the sort of like middle ground of ma mainland. But then you have all the folks from the northern area who can access that. And uh, so we're super happy to be able to do this. And so from going forward, any in-person conferences, we will definitely have an online component as well so that they can join us from wherever they are. Super important. That is super important. And it's so much fun. I've done both the in-person and the online conferences and both of them have been equally fun equally informative it's something to look forward to every year so go check the advocon go check bc ed access out on their website and on facebook yeah and we're on twitter as well and we are also on um uh, Instagram um, at at bcadaccess.com is our Twitter and our our IG <laughs> as, as as the people say it. <laughs> we also have we'll, we'll have ASL interpretation and captioning as well. So yeah, just want to let people know that we have um, we're trying to make it ex as accessible as possible. So that is super cool. Thank you so much, Chantel, for talking with me today. Oh. Thank you so much, Allison, for giving me this opportunity. It's uh, it's something that needs to be talked about. And uh, the more we talk about it, the more we know, the more things get better. For sure. This is the special school episode on the self-advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. There will be more about school and education and back to school coming up. You don't want to miss this. Vancouver Co-op Radio 100.5 FM is political. Co-op Radio is poetry. Co-op Radio is tango. Co-op Radio is gay. Ecology. Comedy. Feminism. Philosophy. Yoga. Reggae. Bicycles. Trade unions. Gospel. Live. Local. Asian. African. Vancouver Co-op Radio is community. Your community. Vancouver Co-op Radio. CFRO. 100.5 FM. All different. All the time. You're listening to The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. So this is the special back-to-school episode because 
this is the time that people are going back to school, myself included. And previously, I talked to Chantel, who is the secretary of BC Ed Access. Right now, I'm going to be talking with David, who is the executive of the Education Through Virtual Reality program. It's another program that educational program in BC for kids with disabilities. Thank you so much, David, for being on my show. Thank you, Allison, for inviting me. So first off, why virtual reality? Like, what was the inspiration to have this virtual reality program for kids with disabilities? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think to start off, I'll give a brief introduction of myself and, I guess, our organization before I get into specifics of our program. So uh, I'm David Wang. I'm the president and founder of Social Diversity for Children Foundation. We are a Canadian charity that aims to empower youth to empower children with disabilities. Now, we were founded uh, 11 years ago in 2010 with that mission, um, and we've launched music in our program specifically for kids with special needs. Um, well, through these programs, we teach kids, you know, life skills, art skills, music skills, as well as how to make friends and bond with, you know, their peers alike. Now, starting COVID-19 in 2020, <laughs> our organization definitely had a huge impact. Uh, the impact um, definitely changed the way we, we offered our programs. Um, we started going from in-person programming for our music and art to, you know, online virtual classes through both Google Meet and Zoom. Now, as our programs uh, have been adapted for so for the, over the past year to these virtual settings, we realized a lot of our kids were missing that social and virtual social element that you know in person classes provide. And we started thinking of alternatives. How can we get you know our kids to start socializing again? How can we get them to make friends, to bond, you know, to work with each other? And, and that's when we came up with the idea of virtual reality. You know, we, we've heard of VR being talked about in the past couple of years throughout, you know, the news, social media and whatnot. But we really never, I, I, at least personally, I haven't seen it really adapted to really train a lot of, you know, kids and, and those who actually need, need this type of technology. So we started uh, working with uh, an organization called Accenture who um, sponsored, you know, our program. Uh, they provided us, provided us with, you know, virtual reality headsets and, and training for our teachers as well as, you know, programming that we can use for kids. So we created this program called Education Through Virtual Reality, where kids can come in on a weekly basis, depending on their own schedule, uh, sign up for classes, and we would teach them and, and use this platform for students to have a learn learning through a fun approach. Um, and, that, and that's why we started this program and we wanted to, you know, impact more kids and help more people out. Right. COVID has really changed everything and and really changed how how we teach people with all types of disabilities and how everyone socializes. So how does the virtual reality specifically help with kids with disabilities? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question. So. We use a variety of different applications through our virtual reality headsets that can, a lot of them can mimic or, you know, stimulate a lot of, you know, different, different senses. Um, for example, there, there are some apps out there that, you know, can 
put a put a kid in you know the aquarium it's to see sharks to see animals and they can learn through that without actually going to the aquarium that it's been closed for over a year year now but there's also other applications like our job simulator or virtual barista where kids can learn how to actually perform these life skills learn how to make a coffee or a cappuccino or, or a frappuccino for that for that matter or or learn how to check someone out at a convenience store. So these kids come in and they, they get a rough idea of what these jobs are actually like. They find out what they're really interested in and they can start using these headsets to, you know, it's, it's not a one-to-one direct of the job, but it trains them in the ability that they start to understand what these stuff, all these different things are. Now, I, I was able to learn different types of coffees. I, I tried it myself and I, I was able to learn, you know, the difference between an Americano or a cappuccino was. Um, as a non-coffee drinker, I... Personally, I, I had no idea, right? And a lot of these kids too, they they can use this as an opportunity to experience things that they otherwise wouldn't have and try to find something that they're really interested in. Um, we would have kids come into our classes weekly and, and a lot of them say it's a super enjoyable experience. Um, they they want to come early just to experience it longer and, and, and spend more time in, you know, in the VR world, in VR applications. And, and it's something different, different, um, different, from you know regular day and they they love it and it sounds like a lot of fun especially when everything is closed and you can actually see different places like the aquarium and learn life skills you say special needs instead of disabilities and i'm a bit of a stickler for for language why do you say special needs like what's the reasoning behind using special needs in the brochure and in your language yeah no that has been that has been that has been something that our organization itself has dealt with ever since we were founded in 2010, just by the language we um, used. You know, initially, as I founded the organization when I was still a teenager, and you know, I I thought you know the word disability wasn't was just what I used, and then I started to learn that many of these kids, you know, they have unique abilities that even I don't have. Um, you know, I I'm not good at music i'm not good at art but a lot of these kids are perfect pitch and they they know how to play the piano perfectly and and i i wouldn't call that a disability i would call that just they have different needs than us they have different abilities and they're they're differently able so that that's that's where um, we, we chose to chose our language um yeah <laughs> a lot of these kids are very impressive and you know every single time i'm in a session of our music or our classes i'm amazed by how well each person's able to either sing or make the, make art supplies or even in the virtual world. I was the first one to test our virtual reality headsets, and now I think everyone else is better at me than in the virtual world. So it's definitely definitely very very insightful and empowering um, for everyone involved. It sounds very insightful and empowering, and. Now that it's also, and I found you guys through the Richmond Center of Dis- for Disability, how did you partner up with the Richmond Center of Disability for this program? Yeah, so our partner with the Richmond Center for Disability has been for a very long time now. I think our first program, our f- first music uh, program in 2011 was with the, the Richmond Center for Disability team, and, and they've been super helpful and adaptive to you know our needs and our abilities. Um, we we had this idea um, when we first partnered with Accenture to create you know a virtual reality curriculum for for kids and and for them to be able to advance. We were also in talks with Richmond Center for Disability to see if we can work together um, 
you know, they, they, they have a space that they were very, very kind for us to go in and, and, and use it for our programming and partnering with us for that. And the team has been super helpful in, you know, both teaching us a lot of the things that we, we learned to be able to teach kids properly and also to be super sensitive around areas that are, are needed. So um, we partnered with their Center for Disability and, you know, they've been so helpful. Um, we really couldn't have done it without them. It's, it's very important that for that collaboration between two programs and two organizations to bring heads together. What are some of the benefits or some of the positives that you've seen since starting this? Yeah, so depending on the app and kid, you know, there's different positive and benefits to each kid. So for example, we use one app that kids can draw in the virtual reality world, VR world, and then their their artwork is just in that world. And then they can go around and seeing seeing the artwork in different angles, and it's really a three D drawing. Just from that, people are able to see perspective. I mean, um, instead of living, you know, we live in a two D world, but we study in a sorry, we we live in a three D world, but we study in a two D world. By doing this, we can have kids start learning in a 3D world and learning what life actually is like in the real world. If they draw a sphere, they can go around and actually you know, see the sphere, and it's super helpful there. And others, other applications, like when we use our job simulators or virtual baristas, they can start, you know, they can get an idea of what the tasks are, um, learn how to do these different things, like being a cashier at a convenience store, learning how to react to angry customers and dealing with all different types of people and, and really listening to instructions clearly. I know one of our parents uh, had a conversation with, <laughs> told me that after using these apps, their kid started listening to them a lot more. They started being more cooperative in just daily life tasks and, and really has helped them with their own development. So th- there's a variety of benefits, but those are just to name a few. It sounds very innovative to be able to have to work in a, a 3D world instead of a 2D and bringing that to reality and your own minds, your own stuff. With that, let's take a quick break. Did you know that Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM has over 90 different shows produced by over 350 community members? This wide range of programming produced by our diverse group of programmers ensures that we have a show you'll love. We have shows on feminism, spirituality, disability rights, politics, unions, and parenting. We play jazz, indie rock, reggae, blues, and folk. We broadcast in a dozen different languages and have more First Nations programs than any other radio station in Vancouver. Find your show on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. All different, all the time. You're listening to CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM and The Self-Advocate with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Facebook at Allison Mira Klein and on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Mira. Join the conversation. Email me. Talk back to me. Find me on social media. What did you like? What did you learn? What do you want 
to listen to again or want to listen to the first time. So right now I'm talking about school, back to school, because school time is right around the corner. I'm in conversation with David, who is the founder of the Educational Through Virtual Reality Program and the Social Diversity for Children Foundation. I'm going to Change the the tables a little bit, David. Have you seen any negatives or challenges since you started this program or since you started, founded the Social Diversity for Children Foundation? Yeah, no. So, you know, our program has brought a lot of benefits to a lot of um, kids and families and, and people are able to experience something just completely different than what they're used to. But, you know, VR has is new. Um, the whole, the entire industry and technology is is something that everyone is learning from, and we're learning from over and over again. And 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 we're we're starting to realize that a lot of games, you know, can't be played by a lot of people. You know, we have this roller coaster that a lot of people love to experience, but it, it causes a lot of motion sickness for a lot of people. And those are challenges that I think, as an industry, virtual reality has to solve before it can really become more mainstream and and can be adapted and adopted by more people there. There's also different 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 challenges that we face doing this. It's it's definitely much more expensive than our other programs. Um, it, you know, it involves technology and involves expensive technology and gear that not everyone is able to adapt. And we can't have children bring these home to just play with on their own time, right? That the the ideal world is every child and every family can get a virtual reality headset. They can bring it home, and we can all meet in the virtual world. Um, that's that's we're not there yet um that's that's still quite far away just from a economic cost perspective there but overall we've had a lot of positives um and i'm hoping the industry develops even further that we can adapt a lot more of our our programming and really utilize this amazing technology that um that that's out there and, and really help a lot of kids out there the economic stuff has been the and the financial barriers to emerging technology is astronomical right now and being able to adapt for every child is also for newer technology is also very new that concept is also very new since we're about to start kids are about to start school again and partially back in class and partially online how has this program adapted to the this new new school year yeah um we first started our education through virtual learning program just this summer uh, we've been planning it for a year and we finally <laughs> were able to find you know the teachers the team and the curriculum developed involved for it so we started our first session in first class for our s- summer semester uh, mid-july um that semester the summer semester is now coming to a close as you were mentioning what um students are going back to school we're in for another school year during COVID-19, um, that, that's definitely going to be a challenge for everyone. But we are planning to continue our program. Uh, we're launching our program uh, for the fall semester, and we're planning to keep it going. The fall semester s- starts in October, so we're giving everyone a little bit of time to get back to school, get back to you know the regular the school life under COVID-19. And then as soon as that's happening, we're planning to start our virtual reality classes again in October. Um, we're also planning that, you know, for the foreseeable future, we're already planning our spring 2022 now uh, semesters as well as the summer. Um, 
it's being hosted in Richmond so far, and we're hoping to expand that, you know, to more of the Metro Vancouver region. Um, we're hoping to go to different cities so we can target and reach different people, and just experience it that. So, you know, if anyone's interested in signing up and would know anyone, I welcome them to visit our websites at sccprograms.org. I mean, participants can sign up and experience what it's really like and, and truly see for themselves if it's an interest to them. It, it might not be an interest to everybody. Um, we do know a lot of people, you know, might not like virtual reality or are afraid or have not experienced something similar before, but I, I really do encourage everyone to try it out. Um, the benefits have been amazing, and, and we really want to bring that to more people and for more people to experience what a lot of people have said they loved experiencing so one last question before the listener gets the contact info for the virtual reality program and for the uh for the social diversity for children foundation what's one piece of advice you would give to a child with special needs or a disability who wants to make a program or a piece of technology just like this virtual virtual reality? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I'd say try different things. Um, as an organization, we're evolving. We're trying to create new programs. We started with music. We advanced to art, painting. Um, we, we started a math program. When we did virtual reality. We're now even planning a drama program. You know, every kid has different needs. Um, they adapt to things differently. They experience things differently. So if I were to say one piece of advice, try different things um, and try 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 more and try often. Um, the, the more you try, the more you realize what is actually out there and what can actually benefit. And, and just combining the, all those things together, you, you can really find something that people are interested in. Um, we have five or six program offerings out there and, and there's, there's tons of programming off uh, programming, um, different types of programming out there that can really benefit everyone. So give it a shot. Um, like I mentioned, if they can come to sdcprograms.org, um, they can definitely take a look at all of our offerings, uh, pick one that they would be interested in and, and go from there. One other question I just had, what's one, one takeaway or piece of education you hope in the future kids with disabilities or special needs would take from this virtual reality? You know, um, very similar to to what I was talking about there is <laughs> try try different things try often um, it's okay to fail um, it's okay to try things over and again um, I know one of our kids who was doing the virtual barista you know they were having a really hard time making the coffee or creating the cappuccino and, and, and you know pouring water or washing the dishes but you know in the virtual reality class if you can try often um, you know, even if you make a mistake, the game just restarts, you can try it again. And eventually, the more you try, the more confidence you start building up, the better you will get. Um, never lose confidence in yourself and really work together with everyone and, and really, 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 you know, it, it, build your skills and create new opportunities. That's wonderful to try over and over again and to build more opportunities and to try it to see if you not only like it, but get new skills, maintain your skills, all of that. How can the listener find the education through virtual reality program or the Social Diversity for Children Foundation? Yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to us, feel free to reach out to us. Um, our website is socialdiversity.org. Uh, S-O-C-I-A-L-D-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.org or directly to our programs at uh, sdcprograms.org. 
Um, they're also feel they're also free to reach out to us on any social media platform. Um, our, our handles are all SDCFDN, stands for Social SDC Foundation uh, in short form. So um, I, I really encourage anyone to reach out and we can work something out and really empower everyone. Um, they can also give us a call, um, 604-729-2651, 604-729-2651, and talk to our program coordinators directly to see which program would benefit them the most and, and work out a plan that way. Thank you so much, David, for being on my show. I've learned I never knew about virtual reality and how that can be educational. Yeah, thank you for having me, and I really appreciate it. This has been The Self-Advocate on CFRO Co-op Radio 100.5 FM with your host, Allison Klein. You can find me on Instagram at Allison Mira Klein and on Twitter and Instagram at Allison Mira. If you missed any part of the show or want to listen to it again, you can find it on anchor.fm or wherever you find your podcasts. Join the conversation. Talk to me. What did you learn? What do you want to know about in the future? What do you want to talk about? Get in contact with me. Find me on social media. To end out this show, let's put on our outro theme song, Better Miracle by Kiprios. Kiprios is a Vancouver-based rapper. Even though he does not have a disability, the song talks about having a better tomorrow, but not a miracle. Enjoy more programming, everyone. Today, my window, the sun, came through. Today, was the day I thought I'd look to my window, felt the pain that I knew. The sun, heard about it when he came to, came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Today, was the day that didn't need rain. My window, looked to me to make a change. The sun, rising to the occasion, came through. Good looking out, I needed you. Oh, 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 oh. Within myself, I'm gonna be okay. Remember, back then I've come a long way. The dream may never ever be the same, but came true. Still here with you, and that'll do. I know the road I'm on is not an easy way. Remember that I will define the path I take. The dream, yeah, I'm a dreamer. What can I say? Came true. Still here with you, and that'll do. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul now. Don't need, I don't need a miracle. Just want to get a bit better. I feel it's in my fingers, I know it's in my soul now Don't need, I don't need a miracle, just want to get a little better oh, oh. I'm not asking for a miracle, oh, oh. just want to get a little bit better Oh, oh, oh.
so full of regret for last time. Memories, seek to forget, never for mine. The hope, the hope ain't enough, but it's alive. And love, your love is the one to get me by my life. It's never too late to get it right. Memories, sit for my mind throughout the night. The hope helps me cope with my life. And love, your love is the one to get me by. Mattering in life. I feel it's in my fingers. I know it's in my soul now. Don't need, I don't even need what could just want.